Hello and welcome. You're watching uh, We the People. I'm Sarah Jacob. Today we're talking about an issue that I'm sure many of you are, have uh, been uh, talking about that has come up in your conversations uh, over the week, everywhere you've been. We're talking about Chat GPT. Chat GPT by OpenAI has taken the world of artificial intelligence by storm. From helping users with their university assignments to writing a poem for one's wife for Valentine's Day, Chat GPT or Chat Generative Pre-trained Transformer by Microsoft-backed OpenAI can do it all, it seems. The intelligent language tool, which can write cover letters, produce dating app messages, and even offer up generic investing advice, has become a buzzword in the world of finance. Just about three months after its launch, ChatGPT has been rated the fastest-growing consumer app in history, faster than Instagram, faster than TikTok. Now, while some champions of artificial intelligence hail it as the next big thing, a technological leap, there are downsides too. And experts have raised fears that systems used by such apps can be misused for plagiarism, or fraud, spreading misinformation, or that dreaded word we we all fear, fake news. So how does one deploy advanced AI without harming users and society? How does one stay relevant in a chat GPT era? Is this a boon or a bane? A game changer or a misinformation machine? Is AI and chat GPT coming for our jobs? On We The People Tonight, the good, bad and the ugly, everything you need to know about chat GPT. First, Prashant Puri, co-founder and CEO of AdLift. Former senior manager of product marketing at Yahoo. Former head of global search marketing at eBay. And on the advisory board, uh, an advisory board member uh, at Columbia University in the city of New York. So, Prashant Puri, first, Chat GPT has grown to become one of the biggest tech buzzwords post its launch in November last year. Where do you stand on this, boon or bane? I definitely think it's a boon, Sarah, because, you know, technology has taught us one thing that uh, if it closes one door, it opens multiple ones. Uh, if you see a candle being blown out, there's a lamp that's being turned on. Uh, so I definitely see this as a boon because, you know, as of now, two months in, uh, it's, it's garnered about 100 million plus visits. And as you mentioned, the fastest ever. And we're right now in the Silicon Valley already seeing jobs which are catering just to uh, AI, uh, natural language processing, uh, experts within chat GPT. There are about 100 plus uh, startups that have uh, sprouted in the last two, two and a half months alone, uh, looking to uh, work across multiple verticals, whether it's digital marketing, whether it's legal assistance, uh, to simplify uh, work and life. So I think uh, it's definitely a boon in, in my view. So if you might lose jobs in some sectors or some industries, but you'll gain them somewhere else, as you're saying. Absolutely. And also, I think in, in some sectors, it's going to move the bar up when it comes to the kind of efficiencies it brings to the table. So if I look at, you know, so we're a digital marketing agency and within the agency, we, you know, work a lot on creatives, content. Uh, Chat GPT is definitely pushing the envelope on creating a lot, uh, much better content, much faster, increasing efficiencies uh, within organizations. Much better so, content? Have we already reached that phase? We have. We have. So uh, it depends on how you're actually utilizing Chat GPT, right? So it's it's all about the prompts that you give this engine and uh, feed that level of information. And then it starts to uh, take that input in producing more content. So whether it's a creation of content, 
Uh, we've seen it actually debugging code uh, very effectively from a programming perspective. Uh, someone wrote about this, I think, uh, a couple of weeks ago that it's already passed the Wharton MBA. I read exam. that. I read that. With a B plus or something. All right. So That's we have right. one big, uh, you know, uh, proponent here. You're a big believer in this, but is it too much of a good thing, right? Unlike a search engine, chat GPT doesn't simply list links when you put in a search term, right? It produces a whole verbal, like maybe an essay of what it considers relevant information from what it considers permanent links. What are the problems with this? Because unfortunately, the internet, like the real world, contains much wrong information as well as fake news and biases. So Apar Gupta, lawyer and executive director of the Internet Freedom Foundation. In this context, Apar, should we be having existential dread or should we be excited about this? So Sarah, one of the first things which happened when ChatGPT was released, I tried to ask it answers about my own area of work and I work on digital rights, which is a lot about policy, law, technology. So I asked it, does India have a privacy law? And it said inaccurately that it India does. So I think while we are filled with dread, we should also not only think from the perspective that we will be obsolete, but we may be obsolete by something which is inaccurate and does not exist. I think at the same point in time, it does offer a lot of efficiency. For instance, if you just want to change a paragraph of writing from active vo- from passive yeah. voice to active voice, check it for citation formats, things like that. I've seen that kind of uh, application happen through much more be- uh, in a better way, but it won't provide you the sources of reference for your article, right? It will only yeah. be able to format it. So I do think to some extent it brings efficiency, but I also question myself that whether it'll cause a lot of problems because it's built of underlying data sets and there's inaccuracy in a lot of what we have produced in terms of being sometimes information which has been incorrect at a certain point in time, being corrected by other people or the kind of training sets it's been trained on has been open data and open data can be produced by an expert as well as somebody who thinks they're an expert but may not have that expertise. So I think there's a lot we need to unpack over a period of time. So basically the problem you're saying it could be it could have a multiplier effect on the already dismal situation of fake news and misinformation that's out there. So then, Apar Gupta, should we be freaking out? How do we keep this Pandora's box closed, tight? Yes, and uh, one thing we should also always uh, remember that current AI systems need both guided training from humans and human input to train on, which means that as much as it's in an automated manner, taking all this information and putting it together, there's still a human being who's pointing it in the right direction, right? So it's not an authoritative uh, uh, judge of what's correct and what's incorrect. We still need to go back to humans. And uh, one thing which I think uh, also makes this challenge a little bit deeper, and especially that arises in the gender context, is that AI-based technologies can be... uh, Uh, can be used towards even graphical outputs, Mm. which can lead to uh, what is commonly referred to as revenge porn, but what we refer to as non-consensual sexual imagery. So a lot of this needs to be navigated. And for all the good that it causes, there'll be some bad which also happens through it. So it's a powerful new tool, potential to do much good, but there could be many downsides. Choco Valiapa also joins us. He's the founder and CEO of V Technologies. Uh, Choco, you work in the field of education and digital uh, education and, uh, you know, tech. Is this a game changer or a disruptor? 
uh, I think uh, uh, you need to look at te technology and the evolution of how technology has evolved, right? So when telephones came, people said that their face-to-face uh, uh, -face meetings are going to uh, going to disappear, uh, and then uh, then we have the cell phone, and but now we have FaceTime or like you know, uh, but but still that interaction is there. The same thing with calculators too. So how do you uh, how do we use calculators today? When calculators came, people said people are going to forget math, but we still do have math. So the the how do we use the technology and how do we harness the technology? So that's the that's the whole uh, way that we need to address it. So the way we teach needs to change, and uh, and the students of today need to have more problem solving skills because. You can give the same job to two people and get the work done. The work will get done. But how do you problem solve those things? Because the computer uh, will be able to give you the answers, but what's the question to ask? So those are the, uh, it's not so much of the answers, but it's the question. What questions do we ask the computer? So that kind of thinking and the evolution of thinking needs to come in. And uh, uh, it's not to fight. You can't fight this because it's going to get sharper and sharper. And what we've seen is just the first version of it. Right, the next version which is coming out is even going to be better. Uh, it's not uh, like I think in a couple of computer essays course, it's got a D minus or you know a C grade in some of the ways it's answer the essays, but it's going to get sharper. So All right. I, I think we need to look at how can we get deeper in the emotions, like you know because it AI will not doesn't have emotions, right? It's a machine, and so how can we get that emotive side of people? So how do we draw people deeper? So, uh, and I always say this, like, you know, the world will not need any gardeners, but the world will always need horticulturists. All right. So we have to uh, adjust to this. We cannot ignore this. This is here to stay. Dinesh Singh, former vice chancellor, Delhi University adjunct professor of mathematics at the University of uh, Houston in the U.S. Uh, Mr. Singh, uh, Let's talk about teachers. So we have Chokavaliapa saying that we now have to teach students to ask the right questions. But how do you teachers adapt to this? Because teachers across the world are worried about students using chat GPT to cheat on their homework. But let me also ask you, are you worried? I mean, could it even replace teachers? How is chat GPT shaking up the education sector? Well, I mean, <clears throat> I, I, I can certainly give you some information on what's happening in India and I don't believe that it's going to harm the teaching community too much in a, you know, it's not really going to be that bad, nor should we have these false fears. I mean, look, when Google came around and it became such an adept search engine, yeah. people were always worried that people will copy content from there. And people have been plagiarizing even from the Internet using Google and such things. Yeah, this will happen. Incidentally, let me also tell you, uh, Sarah, that... <clears throat> I think there's a Princeton University student who's already produced a platform, GPT-0, which can detect if you have taken stuff from chat GPT. Mm. So, so there will be all these things that will happen in parallel. And this is human mind. Its inventiveness has no bounds. So I wouldn't be worried and teachers shouldn't be worried. They should welcome it. Let me give you a quick illustration. So how could a teacher use this? I would use this in my class if I were teaching, say, history. Yeah. For instance, I asked uh, ChatGPT, this is a personal exercise I conducted, and I've written about it also, that who used the title Father of the Nation for Mahatma Gandhi? And uh, 
it came back to me with that it was used after he died and we cannot attribute it to anyone i repeated my question three times and it gave me the same answer and then i prompted it i said did subhash bose have anything to do with this title and then it came with the right answer in 1944 in a radio broadcast subhash bose referred to gandhi as the father of the nation now a teacher should use this to allow teachers students to have a sense of discrimination a critical mind an analytical mind and search for these answers and then go to google and compare with what google has to say mm. and this could be a great education experience so, so you are your second thing what prashant puri points out it's the prompts you have to narrow it down to the right prompts also what chokovelliappa says it's about teaching students teaching everyone to be able to ask the right questions to use this as a tool to our advantage hold on uh, there's a uh, uh, let me get Sh- uh, shreyank we have two students shreyank and tulsi they're students who use uh, chat gpt shreyank uh, tulsi one of you first we were all googling it now it's become chat gpt it how do you guys no, use it for your assignments well, i have i use chat gpt more over on like when i'm working on a code like usually on c or any language and i encounter an error most of the times we end up going to stack overflow for getting the error rectification but we end up finding only similar type of errors but we don't get to know where we actually went wrong but chat gpt does actually a good role of pointing out where you went wrong and how you can correct it and what is the correct output <coughs> you can come up with uh, shrash let me ask you has has this been misused by students let's say you know do you know a friend can we talk about a friend who perhaps has used this to get an assignment in at the last minute no not particularly i don't remember anyone like that but yeah we have used it for getting like uh, doing grammar checks uh, before submitting any assignments or uh, getting us help with some research work or when before writing something we just do a backup research work it it has helped us with that tulsi how do you use this um so we had this uh, course called technical communication where we write a scientific literature review paper so um what what we came across as uh, students was there was a lot of grammatical errors when considering uh, people who have english medium background and people who don't have english medium background so we wrote a code uh, one of my friends wrote a code and we happened to put it across in chat gpt asking it to correct grammar and return the paper and it actually did a pretty good job Hmm. and those papers can be uh, accepted like the american and the britain standard of journals they have a particular type of english that uh, for which the papers get accepted and published so hmm. it was on par with it so in that way it actually really helps um us doing such uh, things like when you have to pay for grammarly business which is uh, not really pocket friendly for us students hmm. so chat hmm. gpt does a better job there okay and okay. also because uh, grammarly business we have to do manual entry yeah but here with doing some automation with python we can end up making it so automa- automated that it python only sends parts so of it, uh, words so it and could it make a level playing grammar. field for yes. Uh, yes. students Definitely. who may not have english as their first language or be as proficient that's great True. but talking about level playing fields as ai gets cheaper becomes more advanced True. in the future True. will it be disrupting the employment sector as we know it chokovelli apart can you come in over here you t- uh, touched upon this a bit which are the jobs then that are most at risk prashant puri talked about this what do you think to get that deeper inroad and get those uh, things and nuances 
which the computer cannot get, then it'll absolutely be fine. But otherwise, uh, you're at uh, anyone's at risk, right? So, uh, and that's the whole uh, thing, especially as a country like India, where uh, most of the, the majority of our population is less than the age of 26. So I think we need to go much, much higher in terms of skill building our, our team, uh, in terms of getting deeper in whatever areas we go. We need to go to the higher level of thinking. That is exactly so in the Bloom's taxonomy level of how we uh, educate people. We need to get to that level, which is more uh, deeper thinking. That is what is needed. Um. Uh, Prashant, can I ask you this because you also, I mean, work with the field of advertising. Wouldn't that you said, uh, interestingly, you first said that this actually can get very creative. Isn't that uh, the negative or the drawback right now that it cannot replicate like human emotions, for example, creatively in the ad world? How How is this, is this going to be a disruptor? Yeah, and and you know that's why I think it's not gonna it's it's not gonna take away jobs because you always need that human being uh, behind Chat GPT to give it that prompt. I think it's gonna add to efficiencies and and effectiveness because at the end of the day, you know whether it's creative or whether it's creating a media plan or it's creating content, you need that person who's actually utilizing the tool effectively uh, for it to produce the right desired results. So I think we're actually looking at a new vertical. Uh, a new tool for folks to actually uh, garner their skill set on and become experts. And like mm. I mentioned before, we're already seeing hundreds of startups who are jumping in into this, uh, creating uh, APIs out of open uh, open AI and chat GPT across multiple fields. It's not only advertising, you know, it's legal assistance and uh, it's uh, it, it's creative. It's uh, it's HR, so it's it's across the board. So I think it's uh, it's it, it, it's a new vertical where you'd want to kind of really jump in, understand how it is, and and become an expert in in using this and and other tools that spring off uh, ChatGPT and OpenAI. A new vertical. So Nikhil Pava, founder of MediaNama, please come in here. We are in uncharted territory, as showcased by ChatGPT. AI solutions can offer great opportunities for businesses, for different sectors, or for citizens, but it can also pose risks. Perhaps when we start anything new, we need a solid, do we need a solid regulatory framework? Do we have one? Uh, does the government, do we have a AI strategy? Uh, we had Choco Veliapa talk about the fact that 20s, you know, a large, we are a young nation, a large percentage of our population is under the age of 30. Do we have a strategy? Uh, well, Sarah, I think, look, I love ChatGPT. We've been using it at MediaNama to generate headlines. Um, and the interesting thing oh, is... Oh, no, it's not we're all going to be out of jobs. No, no, but also you can use it to connect multiple uh, services together. So, for example, you can ask it to generate text. You can link that to, let's say, an animated video generator. And so, you know, you can mix mix and match different AI tools to generate one output that otherwise would take four or five people to create. And so, you know, just in terms of pure efficiency for a business, it's amazing. But, you know, one part is a generative part of the AI, but we can't look at it to be accurate. And so that's where we need to realize there's going to be discrimination, there's going to be misinformation. All of those ills exist, and that's because of the data set that it relies on. ChatGPT's data set is only, I think, 2021 onwards. So it can't go back into history too far beyond. 
but it's constantly improving because people are correcting it, but also people can misinform it. So it has the same ills that a search engine might have. Yeah. And so, look, uh, one, it's very clear and ChatGPT itself say that it's not the gospel truth. And so you can't rely on it, but if people do, that's up to them. From a regulatory perspective, I think uh, it's a little too early to try and build a regulatory structure also because identifying a bias in AI or identifying misinformation in AI itself is a very complex task because there are multiple iterations, multiple versions of something that are generated and the data set that it relies on the algorithm is and like, how do you test an algorithm? So that, that is still evolving. There are tools available, but we don't have the wherewithal to actually test it uh, at scale uh, in some of these things. But there has been discrimination, for example, um, in, 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 in Google search, even in Google image search, even um, that has been found and that uses machine learning to try and, you know, give you the answers that it wants to give you. Um, I think there will be a point in time where regulation will have to step in, but regulation coming in this early will basically restrict the development of AI. Uh, so, sorry, go ahead. So, so I, I think over, uh, we need to make sure that that we're watching this space. Uh, that the Indian government so far has taken a light touch approach because they also don't want to restrict the. Uh, you know, uh, AI startups from coming up and having to comply with norms, etc. And the Indian government also looking at putting more and more data out there available to AI startups to try and figure things out. So AI is in its infancy right now, but I don't think we should just look at where it is, but also look at where it is going. Over a period of time, it will keep getting better. It will keep mimicking human behavior, human decision making, yeah. and become more and more powerful. So yes, Decision making might or can also be rec- replicated using algorithms. Creativity to quite an extent can be re- replicated as well. You could have, for example, uh, for architects, you know, you could give the scheme that you want for a room. It could generate using the text that you've typed out a visual and a 3D printer could print an entire building uh, using that. So look, the future is, sounds crazy. I know when you hear this, but uh, I guess exciting times for those who love technology. All right. So then exciting times ahead. But how do we harness that? Uh, uh, Dinesh Singh, to you, what advice would you give to students then? And then I want to go to Prashant, to you, <laughs> to entrepreneurs, people entering the workspace. What do you need to know? How do we need? How do we how do we make our students ready for this chat GPT AI age? Dinesh Singh. Sarah, I don't think we need to worry too much about this. I think in many ways, students are smarter than us and they'll figure how to take advantage. But yeah, I would lay stress on the teaching community that they should learn to mentor their students to use this in productive ways. And remember, I mean, let's not get too alarmed for many reasons. One, as Nikhil said, I mean, this is work in progress and it will evolve over time. But nothing is going to replace for a long time the ingenuity of the human mind to be able to conceive something like like, like a really original, attractive work of art like Michelangelo's works or Einstein's theory of relativity. Artificial intelligence is miles away from anything like that. So students need to hold those things up as the kind of torchbearers and standards and use this as a device to enable themselves. And that's where teachers can play a really critical role. So teachers need to start getting into this 
like they have, I'm sure, done with Google and YouTube and stuff like that. They need to do the same with this. And remember, this is not the first time. There are other kinds of chatbots that are already in yep. place. You know, there's one that impersonates characters from history. And then they actually speak like them. And, and that's also artificial intelligence. And then you've been using, you know, Google Maps and you've been using Siri and Alexa. All of them are artificial intelligence devices. Okay. Everything is now around, built around <laughs> some sort of artificial intelligence. Let's not get too worried about this. All right. Um, let's not get too worried about this. Thank you all, Prashant. I know I said I wanted to come to you, but we are completely out of time. But thank you all for joining us, helping to, you know, uh, perhaps make this less of a worry than uh, uh, as it as it might be for some. Thank you all for joining us and We The People, where we believe it's important to speak up, but also important to listen.